with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, I've entitled the message today, Commissioned. And uh, this will be our message on, during Missions Month. Uh, actually, we started in October. Uh, all the sermons are on our YouTube page, by the way, New Life Favorable. And, oh, whew. <laughs> I could take off the mask. Um, Pastor Bill had shared in October uh, a message entitled, Follow Me. Um, I shared three messages that were entitled, Go, Send, Really. And last week, uh, Bill Lario shared a message entitled, uh, Missions, the Heartbeat or the Lifeblood of the Church. And so today, we're concluding our Missions Emphasis Month. Uh, The title of this is Commissioned. And uh, I want to talk about Isaiah. Uh, At the end of the service, we'll be collecting our, our Faith Promise pledge cards at which time we'll also receive that second offering that we've been talking about. Well, let me pray real quickly, can we? Father, Lord God, bless this time. Lord, anoint me to bring forth the Word of God that you want to have everyone here today. Lord, uh, in the process, Lord, be glorified, be, be lifted up, be magnified, be honored, O God. And may your people uh, be blessed by hearing the Word of God. May we also be challenged. And Lord, if anyone's hearing the word today that's not a follower of Christ, we pray that they would become one before this is over. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, If you're watching on live stream, good to have you with us. Uh, I'm going to ask you, if you are on live stream, to hit your share button and uh, spread the the word over your own Facebook page. Maybe we'll pick up a few extra people that need to hear the message today. But anyway, we've been talking a lot about... uh, about going forth in, in, in the Great Commission. Um, Isaiah's call, as I mentioned to our brother Paul earlier, interestingly was, was not to a faraway land. It was to his own people of Israel. And so it, it's not so much where we go, it's more of the fact that we go somewhere. And so we've talked a lot about the different scriptures of the Great Commission. Uh, you probably know all these references, but Matthew 28, Mark 16... Luke 24, talk about going, um, teaching, preaching, baptizing, uh, making disciples, um, repentance, remission of sins must be preached in his name, beginning in Jerusalem to all the nations of the world. Then we talked about some of the epistles, how, how some of the, the gospel of the Great Commission carries over into the, uh, into the epistles. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, we read that if, if we really want to get this, and at the point I'm trying to make, if we really want to understand missions and giving money to missions and giving emotional and prayer support to missionaries, if we want to get this, we've got to step out from among the way of the world and get, get with Christ, get with the people of God. Otherwise, we'll never understand why this is so important. We talked about from Philippians chapter 2, the, the story of the greatest missionary, Jesus Leaving glory, leaving his home in heaven to come to earth, to live among us, came as a servant, humbly, obedient, obedient to the point of death on a cross. And because of his act of sacrificial love, the Father has now exalted him and given him the name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. And we talked about from Romans chapter 10, we talked about how whomever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And we got into that passage where uh, how can they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How can they believe upon him in whom they have not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? And so we have missions and missions emphasis. But I have to tell you that the rest of the story in, in Romans chapter 10 tells us that even though Israel heard the message, they heard the word of God, they did not follow the Lord for many, many, many years. They still didn't believe. But the Lord commands his church to tell the story, to proclaim the story, and to leave the results up to him. The role of the church is to proclaim and to harvest. The role of God is to bring conviction upon the hearer of the word of God. We read in 1 Corinthians 3 that one person will sow a seed, will plant a seed. Another person will come by and water the seed or nurture the seed, cultivate it. But God, it's God that gives the increase. So I want to talk about Isaiah's calling. And um, most of us are familiar with the first part of the chapter, Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. All this the commissioning. Uh, The second part of the chapter I would call the reality because uh, the reality of the commission is that it's not always what you think it's going to be. The results of what we do uh, may not be what we thought they were going to be in the first place. So let's just go through the first uh, part of Isaiah and uh, we'll trust the Lord to lead us through uh, this, this sermon today. But in verse number one, uh, Isaiah writes, is writing this, but he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I, I, I saw that when Meleda had the banners and the glory of the Lord, but he had a real vision of God. You know, he saw the, the train of, the, of his robe, the, the glory of his robe filling the temple with all of his majesty, all of his glory. But note that he saw this when King Uzziah had died. And I did some studying about King Uzziah. He did some great things, and he did some not-so-great things. But the point was, he had, he, when he died, Isaiah had the, the vision. And so the application for us would be, there may be some things in our lives that have to die before we can really see the Lord. Mainly our pride and our arrogance, our independence has to die that we could see the Lord. On a practical sense, it may be our TV and our internet has to die, so we have time to settle down and really focus on the Lord. But anyway, he had a vision of the Lord. Verses 2 and 3 talk about how he saw angels, beautiful angels, worshiping God, singing, holy, 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 in verse number 3. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And in verse number 4, it says, the doorpost where he was, like, like this right here, was shaking because of the voice of the archangel. And the whole place filled up with smoke, and the glory of God was awesome, awesome presence of God. And sometimes, I had it today, as a matter of fact, when we worship the Lord, not exactly, but when we worship the Lord like we did today, we get into a zone of worship where we could sense the glory of God. I don't know, I hope you can, but I could sense the presence of God, and and it makes me feel like, oh God, you're, you're awesome. You know, one, one part of me says, I, I want to run away because you're too holy. But the other side of me says, I'm cleansed by the blood. I want to come forward. But when Isaiah had this vision, we read in verse number, just follow along with me, verse number five, his response to this is, oh my goodness, I'm a mess. Woe is me. I'm undone. 
I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated. I'm mortified. I'm unholy being in the presence of a holy God. And can I tell you, that's the beginning of salvation. And that has to continue in our lives until we meet the Lord face to face one day. That, that awesome sense of God is here. His holiness is here. His, his presence is, is overwhelming me. And so Isaiah says, my lips are dirty. The people I hang out with, their lips are dirty. You know, my, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, and I'm not worthy to be in his presence. And right at that moment, verse number 6 and verses number 7, we, we call this the salvation experience. One of the angels came and took a live coal from the fire that was bringing uh, heat and, and warmth up to the presence of God. Took a live coal and put it right where the sin was on his lips and purged his lips and purged his mouth and took away his sin. He says in verse 7, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Hallelujah. We could equate this to the blood of Jesus that purges us, forgives us, cleanses us. We could also equate this to the Holy Spirit that then empowers us to live a godly life for the Lord. In verse number 8, um, Isaiah now says, I, I, I also, I heard the voice of the Lord. Notice in verse number 1, he saw the Lord. But he didn't hear the Lord really until verse number 8, because he had to go through this transition in his heart. He had to experience the presence of God before he could really hear the voice of God. So we can see the Lord and we recognize, most people say, I believe in God. But once we experience God, really experience God and respond to him like Isaiah did, humbly broken before God, then we're in a position to hear the voice of God. Amen? So the voice says to verse number 8, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Us meaning the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But who will I send? And now here's Isaiah, who just a little bit before was feeling totally unworthy. I can't even stand in the presence of God. But now, cleansed by the fire, the coal, cleansed by the blood, if you will, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he says, here am I, send me. And if we were to stop right there, we say, hallelujah, what a great story. And it is a great story. But it's not the end of the story. It's only the beginning of the story. I like what uh, the Full Life Study Bible says in these passages. Uh, the Full Life Study Bible is my go-to study book, among a few others. But I like what it says. It says in verse number 5, there was an earnest confession. It wasn't just like, oh Lord, forgive me. It was like, I'm broken here. Oh God, cleanse me, purify my heart. There was a glorious cleansing in verse number 7. The coal, the blood, the Holy Spirit coming. There was a powerful commissioning to go forward in the things of God. Here am I, Lord. Send me to go. I'm ready to go. I got all my stuff straightened out. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm empowered by your presence. Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm ready to go. And now for years and years... I never really knew the end of the story, to tell you the truth. The end of the story I call the reality. There's the commissioning, but then there's the reality. The reality may not be what you think it's going to be. The reality is, when you say yes to God, you have no control over the results of what you're doing, really. All you have control over is your obedience to do what God asked you to do. 
So let's go on with the story. Verse 8, here I am, here am I, Lord, send me. And so verse number 9, the Lord says to Isaiah, go and tell this people. I want to read this uh, from the message translation. If I could find it here. Yeah. Because the message translation makes it a little bit clearer. But he says to Isaiah, okay, you go and tell this people. Now remember, the Lord would often refer to his people as my people. My people Israel, right? My pe- Here he's not saying my people. Here he's saying, go tell this people. There's a conflict. There's a problem between Israel and the Lord right here. They have backslidden. And the Lord is calling somebody to go speak to a backslidden people about the things of God. But what he tells Isaiah is really, really something. You would think that maybe the Lord would say, I do this work in three months, they're going to repent, and there's going to be revival in Israel. And in fact, the total opposite happened. It's kind of like, remember the story of Jonah, by the way? After Jonah went and spoke to the people of Nineveh, and they all got saved and straightened out, Jonah said to the Lord, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I didn't want to go there. Isn't that weird? But here you have a different situation where Isaiah, he's willing to go, but the people aren't ready to receive. So the Lord says to, to Isaiah, I'm going to read it from the, from the message, go and tell this people, verse number 9, go and tell this people, listen hard, but you aren't going to get it. Look hard, but you won't catch it. Okay, so then in verse number 10, the Lord speaks to Isaiah. He says, okay, make these people, the message says, make this, these people blockheads. You know what a blockhead is? You know, you don't get it. You're like, boom, you're made out of wood. You don't get it. Make these people blockheads with fingers in their ears and blindfold over, over their eyes so they won't see a thing. They won't hear a word. They won't have a clue about what's going on. And yes, so they won't turn around and be made whole. That's a, that's a better rendering of the verses 9 and 10. In other words, Isaiah, go, go tell them. But as you're telling them, you've got to understand, they're not going to get it. But I want you to tell them anyway. And so this reminds me of something I was thinking about this last night. You know, I, Pam and I have been in the ministry for a, a number of years. 27 years as a senior pastor and 33 in the ministry. And for those 27 years, I calculated, if I preached 52 messages a year for, uh, for 27 years, it comes out to something like 1,400 messages on a Sunday morning. If you, if you add Sunday night, then you double it. If you, if you add Wednesday, you have another. That's a lot of messages. Now, do I really think that every person who heard my messages responded in a favorable way and, you know, surrendered to God and is growing with God right now? I don't, I hope so, but I don't really think so. All the people that watch on live stream, that watch our messages on on YouTube, all the things we do, I don't know what they're getting, but I can't be, I can't be too concerned about the results. I can only be concerned about what God called me to do, which is to proclaim the word of God. And this is where it gets a little bit touchy because this is contrary to our culture. That if you do something for God, he's going to bless it and multiply it, and you're going to be honored, and you're going to be respected, and hallelujah, everything is good. But in reality, when you think about it, the initial disciples were all murdered for their faith. 
So where's the glory in that on earth? There's not any on earth. The glory is in heaven. This reminds me of, of a story, and I would highly recommend this to you. The, the movie is called The End of the Spear. You ever, ever hear of the movie The End of the Spear? I really recommend it. It's a great movie. It's a true story about five missionaries from America that felt called by God. They, like Isaiah, they felt the, the calling. Go to the jungles of Ecuador and preach the word of God there. So one of the missionaries was a pilot. And he flew the plane down there and with his companions. And they were there for not very long. And they met the people in the jungle, you know. And, and something went wrong. And the people in the, in the jungle were offended and ended up stabbing with the spear those five missionaries. They all died. They took their plane, chopped it up, and burned it and buried it somewhere. And of course, no one, this is 1956, no one had word back at home in the States where they were because communication wasn't happening. And after a while, a team of people went down there. I think the wife of, of one of the guys went down there. They figured out what happened, but they continued the work. And eventually, one of the man's sons who was murdered, his son came as a missionary to the same people and found the guy that speared his father, killed his father, led that man to the Lord. And now that area of Ecuador is all serving the Lord. But what I'm saying is those five missionaries gave their lives, shed their blood, saw no results of what they were doing. But the point was, one plants, one sows, one waters, one cultivates, but God brings the increase. We have to think in terms of, for instance, remember the story of Pharaoh in the Old Testament. It says a, a very interesting scripture. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. You know what? It, like when Moses would come, let my people go. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. What that means is Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. He was already, he already decided he was not going to work with Moses. So God let him go. Think along the lines of Romans chapter 1. When, uh, when Paul writes, the, the people rejected God. They didn't worship God as God. They, they were involved with all sorts of uh, negative, bad, detrimental behavior, sexual immorality, and God gave them over to their own lust. He let them go. And so, but the point is, the word of God still has to be proclaimed. Because only God knows what's going to happen to those people down the line. So here's Isaiah. Has a great commissioning I, I picture this like, you could picture like a, a great uh, uh, graduation ceremony, a college ceremony. And, and Isaiah's there, and he's commissioned by the Lord, and he's all ready to go, and he has every good intention to go forward. He's all nice and clean and ready to roll. And, and then he hears this message that no one's going to receive what you're going to say, but I want you to go anyway. A anyway. I don't know if his heart sank at that moment or if he was just more determined to do what God wanted him to do. But in verse number 11, he responds and he says, how long do you want me to do this for, Lord? Good question in my book. In verses 11 and 12, I'll paraphrase it. The Lord says to Isaiah, I want you to do this until the land is desolate and the people are taken away into captivity. And Isaiah doesn't really know what he's talking about, but... And looking back on it, the Lord is referring to the Babylonian captivity, which didn't even happen until a hundred years after Isaiah died. So get this, he's preaching this message to these people with this going on in his head, knowing they're not going to get it. 
But he's faithful to the end of his life, teaching Israel, proclaiming this to Israel. So verse number, uh, verse number 13 kind of sums it up and says, the Lord says to Isaiah, but a tenth will come back. A tenth will come back. And even some of them are going to be uh, destroyed or consumed. But, but the last part, as a terebinth tree or, or as a pine tree or as an oak tree, whose stump remains when it is cut down. So picture a big tree, right? Cut down at the stump. And the tree is dead, but the stump, it says, in that stump, the, the holy seed shall be in the stump. And so that, what he said is that holy seed in Israel will be there because you're proclaiming the word of God. You're doing what I asked you to do. You won't see any results. But when it's all said and done, there'll be a seed. There'll be a remnant there because you're preaching and proclaiming the word. So I love that story. I, I, I think about what, like what Pamela and I do and what we've been doing for a long time. As I said, I don't know who receives the message. I would like to say, you know, most people receive the message. I can't say that. All I can say is I have to be as faithful as I can to do what God asked me to do which is to proclaim the word of God. So let's look at a couple of things. Number one is this, as we look at Isaiah chapter 6. Number one is this, God is holy, and only the wind can proclaim him. Isaiah wasn't ready to do the work until he was cleansed. Once someone is cleansed, redeemed, they're in a position to go or to send. And so we have 33 missionaries that we're sending out to proclaim the word of God. Seven that are uh, on the on-deck circle waiting to know if we could support them. But, but these are redeemed people getting ready to proclaim the things of God. But God is holy, and only the redeemed can proclaim him to the world around us. Those scriptures there, Hebrews 10.31 says, um, It is a fearful or awesome thing to come into the presence of a holy God. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy, for I am holy. So we're sending people out that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We can't expect non-Christian people to take the, the Christian message. That's not going to happen. If the church doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. So the Lord is calling upon the redeemed to bring the word forward. Number two is this. Redemption purifies Verses 5 through 8. Here's Isaiah, undone. You know, just at wit's end, feeling dirty and, and, and not worthy. But the coal comes. He's redeemed. The blood of Christ now cleanses us. And we're in the position where we can say, Lord, send me to go. Help me to go. Lord, I'm redeemed for a purpose. And as I said all along here, my personal conviction is that the American church has a special calling upon us because we're basically a wealthy nation and we have the funds to send people out to do a great work for the Lord. 1 Peter 1.18 says, we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, not by corruptible things like silver and gold. And James 4.8 says, to purify your heart or to keep it purified. We've been redeemed. We've got to keep ourselves clean to be a witness for the Lord. And the last point is obedience results is what the Lord is looking for. We all want results. I want results. You know, 
I want to have a good end of the year report. I want to have a good report with our attendance, our salvations, our water baptisms, our finances. I, I like good reports. I do. However, I realize that ultimately it's up to God to choose what's going to happen with our ministry. My role is to be obedient. Our role is to be obedient. When the Lord says to, to go and to send, he's talking to the church to pray, to sacrificially give to support the work going out all over the world. 1 Corinthians 3, 7, 9 is what I was referring to. But one will water, or well, I'm sorry, one will plant or sow, one will water or cultivate, but the Lord gives the increase. So we see ourselves in the bigger picture. We're part of the process. We're not the end result. We're, we're, we're part of the entire process. Now on a local level, we do this too. We may see some people coming into the, to the family of God. We may see that we may reap that harvest, you know, which praise the Lord. I want to reap that harvest. But I think about all the hill stocks we've done. How many did we do? 13, James? 13, I think we did. Um, you know, 500 people, 800 people at a shot. That's a lot of people here in the gospel. What happened to them? I don't know. But I felt like we were obedient to go and present Christ to these people that would probably never come to a church. So we take it to a park and we do it. So obedience is what's important, not the results so much. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says a very interesting passage, but here's, here's a story in a nutshell. The Lord had told King Saul, destroy the Amalekites, kill them all, kill all their livestock. He gets the word when he has the opportunity to do it, he doesn't do it. He, he spares the king, he takes the livestock, and offers the livestock as a sacrifice to the Lord, thinking he was doing the right thing. And Samuel comes and talks to him and says, King Saul, why did you not obey the Lord? He said, I did obey the Lord. He said, what's this bleeding, I, the bleating of the sheep I hear? Don't you know to obey is better than sacrifice? Obey what saith the Lord. So, putting all that together, um, as we conclude this mission, three things to really keep in mind. Number one is the holiness of God. We tend to kind of soft-pedal that culturally, uh, but we can't do that. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a God that has a plan. He's a God that put things in motion for people to get saved and they get healed of issues and problems and things. So he's a holy God. And then we think about the redemption of man. You know, holy God and the redemption of man. Someone's got to proclaim the message of the cross. And then the mission of the, of the church, of course, is to be obedient, to go out and to spread this word. So we're fortunate to be supporting 33 missionaries. We were blessed this month. We had... Uh, four missionaries that came on our mission celebration night. It was a great time. Um, two of them came during a Sunday morning. And uh, we're blessed to have missionaries close to us. We're also blessed to have seven more that are waiting to hear from us if we could support them. So if we support the 33 that we have at $50 a month, I believe it comes down to about $20,000 a year. If we support those additional seven, it's probably another $5,000. So we're looking for pledges in the amount of $25,000 for the new year. This is above and beyond our tithes. 
this is specifically for missions. So, how many of you received a pledge card in the mail this week? All right, we tried to do all the members and some others that we, that we thought were involved. Uh, if you didn't get one, we have them here. If you're at home and didn't get one, please let us know because we need to mail them to you. So I need your name and address to make sure that we could send you a pledge card. It's from this pledge card is where we determine our budget for the new year, our missions budget for the new year. On that card, it says, uh, are you giving weekly, monthly, you could also give yearly if you want to. You could give whatever you want, every six months. But just indicate the amount and how often you want to do that. Uh, you, would, um, you would rip it off here, uh, return this big part, and keep the little part so you don't forget what your pledge was. And um, this will begin in January. All right. Now, if there's anyone here or anyone at home that it's not clear where you stand with your pledge for this year, uh, please contact our office. Uh, we'll be happy to look that up. Our bookkeeper will and let you know where you stand with that. We want to end the, uh, this year on a good note. I shared last week we're probably about $2,400 in the hole in our missions department. So that's why we're going to have this second uh, special offering to help offset that. Uh, so we have one more month to kind of get that straightened out before the, the new year and the new pledges will begin. All right, does anyone need a pledge card? All right, so James, I think we have a song. Let's just take a few minutes, uh, let the Lord speak to you, get it ready, and I'll give you further direction in just a moment. Let me pray while we're, while we're at it. Father, Lord, right now, we just pray for your guidance. We pray for faith to arise, Lord, that we would trust you for an amount that's even beyond what we think we can do, uh, but having the faith that you'll provide us with it, that we could give it to missions. And Lord, I want to pray, Lord, for each of those missionaries to get the support that they need from many different churches, not just our church, but from many churches here in the States. Lord, use this time now to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to ask you, if you would, right now, bring your card up and put it in one of the baskets up here. If you have an offering, put the offering in there, and then I'm going to pray a dismissal prayer. So come on up if you can. Hallelujah. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment, please. Every head bowed. We've been talking about missions, going, sending, all over the world. But this is our Jerusalem, this church, this community. This is where we live. This is where we reside, and this is our, this is our home base. And it would be wonderful to see continually happening, people in our own community, in our own church, surrendering their heart to the Lord. Missions begins here. So without anything else, I'm just going to ask you, if, if you need to receive Jesus today, because it's one thing to hear these messages and be concerned about people in other parts of the world, and yet you yourself are not even right with God. So this is your chance to make things right with God before we go home today. Just raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus or if you want to renew your covenant with the Lord before this day goes any farther. Anyone at all, I want to renew my covenant with the Lord today. All right, if you're at home and you're, you're hearing this, please give us a call or a text or an email later. Let us know that you're receiving the Lord today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm blessed. We are blessed to be here today. Lord, thank you for this beautiful sanctuary. Thank you for uh, the banner ministry. Thank you for the unity message. Thank you for a beautiful baby dedication, child dedication. Thank you for life in the church, oh God. Thank you for a church that's concerned about uh, the condition of the world and, and our role to bring the message of the cross not only to our Jerusalem but all over the world. Thank you, Lord, for a congregation that has the eyes that can see the lost and the hurting and have a passion about it. Father, I pray as we conclude Missions Month, Lord, let this be a great month. Let us get, get these pledges. Let us get this offering. Let us get the uh, remaining pledges for this year during December. Let us end on a great note and start the new year on a really good note. But Lord, may your blessing be upon all of this. It's all about you, Lord. And so we just pray that you would fill us with your spirit, guide and direct our steps, let us always keep our eyes on the cross and let us keep our ears listening to what you would say as to how we are to go about what you want us to do. So, Lord, I pray your blessing upon everyone now. Let us have a good day. Uh, let us have a good afternoon. Bless our prayer meeting tonight. And, uh, Lord, let us have a great week ahead. We thank you for all these things in the glorious, wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.